I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. This is, as ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And today we go into the nooks and crannies of performance trickery, supplementation, and even a little bit of dose of charlatans. The big promises of performance gains and maximizing training through supplements, treatments, and interventions. What many would call life hacks. Today, we're going to have a particular emphasis on supplements, but in order to get there, we have to take a step back. We have to think about the lens that you should apply in your performance world on how and when to take supplements and what are the appropriate supplements to take. Now, guess what? Before we start this show, most of the big promises are nonsense. To be all American on you, bullshit. The mission of today is to simplify and to help you focus. And so we're going to discuss the gray zone between medicine and coaching, the void in which quacks can exploit and sell your stuff. I'm also going to help develop an information filter for you. And finally, we're going to put into some actions some of the components or supplements that you might actually want to think about taking. And as you might have guessed by now, it's really pretty simple and it's not going to consume a whole cabinet in your kitchen. And so we're going to dive in today and we're not going to deliver a quick fit to performance, but instead we're going to aim to help you find solutions that go in conjunction with those basic habits to help you find your best performance recipe. Before we dive in, let's just talk about squad quickly. Yep, we are now patiently opening up the doors and metering accessibility to the brand new Purple Patch Squad. So I just want to say thank you to all of you guys that are hopping on the bus and getting cracking. Our brand new program specifically designed for time-staffed triathletes and yes, expanding soon into other sports. But those athletes right now, triathletes training for all disciplines, the program that's dynamic, flexible and empowering you to manage and control your training within the context of life. So our beta program was a great success and we are now incrementally opening the doors over the coming couple of weeks. But what I am encouraging you to do today is go and check out the program really in its living being live at purplepatchfitness.com. If you're intrigued to hear more, at least just understand what the squad is about, Head over to Purple Patch Fitness right there on the front page. There's a little link through and we're going to showcase and break down what the squad program is. There really is nothing else like it. And we believe ultimately it's going to shake up the way that the sport is approached. You can still gain early access. You can be one of the first in the door. Just reach out to us, info at purplepatchfitness.com and we'll help get you cracking. So those that are on board already, welcome aboard. Everyone else... We look forward to starting the journey with you soon. But now, let's get on with the word of the week. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. And the word of the week, I think it's the shortest word of the week that we've had in terms of letters. Go. G-O. Go. Now, not as in stop and go. Instead, today's word of the week is all about Stephanie Go. 
Stephanie Go, who's that, you might say? Well, you might remember a few weeks ago, we did a whole episode on managing failure. It was a topic that I know resonated with many, and I wasn't surprised at all because, well, ultimately, look, we all fail. And so it's how we manage and respond that is the filter to those that are successful and even those that achieve greatness. And you also may just remember that the catalyst for me producing that episode was Stephanie Goh's self-proclaimed poor performance at the Boston Marathon. She was distraught and struggling to navigate her way back to her own performance journey. Ultimately, she'd lost a lot of confidence and was in, well, for lack of a better phrase, a little bit of a state of despair. So knowing her emotions were not unique, I wanted to do justice to her feelings and hopefully create a framework that could help her and ultimately all those that mitigate or have to manage failure move forward in a really healthy and productive manner. Well, mighty Madam Go, this last weekend, six or so weeks past that desperation of failure, you hit marathon number two. And what was the result? A massive breakthrough and a huge PR. The headline news, Stephanie, you wouldn't have achieved this breakthrough without getting past the Boston frustration in such a healthy manner. Real resilience, real grit, and the courage to go have it once again. And I promise you, all of you, Stephanie's performance wasn't about some magic training that she did in the interim the last six weeks or so. It was an honest, true reflection of her original work. And ultimately, she just had to be patient to get her rewards, but being open to those rewards and open to trying again, getting back up again after a struggle, after a failure is a true representation of grit. And so, Stephanie, well done. I thought it was a story worth sharing, not just about managing success, but even more the fun of achieving the reward off the back of failure. So many can draw from your journey, your journey so far. And so that's why this week, the word of the week is Stephanie's last name. The word of the week is go. Now, let's go and get on with those meat and potatoes. Yes, guys, quackery and supplements. We're going to dive into both realms today, and I think we're going to get pretty nitty-gritty. I think this is going to be a little bit granular, a little bit deep. I've got a feeling that I might go on a few tangents as we discuss this, but I feel like I've got to provide justice to the framework and not just give you Matt's quick hit list of the five or six supplements that I think you should take in the realm of your performance. And so... We're going to spend some time going through the context, understand my framework and my lens, and we're even going to talk a little bit about the subject never spoken about, performance-enhancing drugs. But let's first frame it. Where do supplements fit in the spectrum of performance evolution? You see, if you read online or asked many over-obsessive athletes, those supplements might sit up there right alongside the hard work in training as the key catalyst to prime health, achieving adaptations and growing stronger. Train hard and the magic supplement to support the boost system, facilitate adaptations. The story goes on and on and on. 
But the truth is that any supplemental intervention falls way, way down the list if you're seeking health and performance. So let me make this clear. If you want performance, health, vibrancy, energy, sex drive, cognitive function, memory, on and on and on, it is not coming in a pill. You may consume some supplements as an afterthought, and we're going to get into that, but the role and importance holds a space as almost an afterthought in your performance recipe. The bedrock of your performance recipe sits in very, very simple and fundamental basics. Hence the reason that we always talk about nail the basics, because that's what's going to get you 95% of the way. Those basics, well, succinctly put, a smart training program. Every human being should train as it's structured and progressive and therefore not random like exercise is. And you don't need to be an athlete or competitive in any order to benefit from that word training. But every human needs a smart training program. They also need enough recovery. And that include, includes rejuvenation, sleep, space to have downtime, etc. We need a backbone of relatively healthy eating. And that comes with a couple of habits around fueling to mitigate potential stress events and aligned with accidental athletic starvation and elevated stress hormones around exercise. But ultimately, that big bucket of healthy eating is critically important. And then this particular productivity that comes with what we might label men mental health or community, particularly around families, friends, etc. We are typically social animals and benefit from interaction and sharing the journey of performance with others. Now, I might add one more, especially as I'm English, that it's a common habit for so many athletes and performance-minded people to interrupt their recovery process as well as their sleep quality with the consumption of just a little bit too much alcohol with a little too much frequency. So that second nightly glass of wine is likely, I'm afraid, pulling you down in an all-too-subtle manner. But all of this to say that those five components are the bedrock of your success. And it's also to say that in all likelihood, if you are a person that has a designated cabinet full of special powders, pills, oils and remedies, each one a promised elixir to health and performance, your first positive step is to likely perform a purge and revisit your basic and fundamental habits. So, with this backbone of context, let's navigate our way into the murky world of supplementation. Now, we're going to have to go hand in hand through this, as it's a maze of fake promises and negligible gains. But first, I want to do my first tangent. And this is really important for athletes, but most importantly, I would say coaches to listen. What I want to do is address our approach, or my approach, to performance-enhancing drugs. Because so many times when we think about supplements, particularly with potentially tainted supplements that occur, we can't help but to straddle the very short canyon towards that world of performance enhancing drugs or PEDs as they're commonly referred. So what I thought I'd do is outline how we talk to our professional athletes about them as it might ultimately create a pretty simple framework to see our lens on it. So the three components that I always think about when approaching this subject, which is not the most fun subject to talk about in coaching, is number one, clarity. 
Clarity is critical. Number two, education and empowerment. And number three, providing resources to support. And so every year, once a year, we have a conversation. We label it the conversation. And it always occurs in January, right at the start of the calendar year, typically at our pro camp. This year that was in Scottsdale in Arizona. And it's the first conversation of the camp which marks our official start to the season. And we label it as the most important conversation that we have. Simply put, we outline it to the pros. Performance enhancing drugs are non-negotiable. You must not, I want to make sure I say that again, must not participate or even consider. It's a non-negotiable. They are not allowed. They are never, never talked about as a conversation. They are not a component. Instead, our focus is to put all of our emotional energy into controlling what we can control and making ourselves the best that we can be within context of what our training, our life and our hard work can provide us. We also really encourage the pros not to engage in looking over the fence. And so we never, between myself and the squad, have conversations about other athletes. The benefits of he said, she said, is she or isn't she hold no value because all that's doing is drawing ourselves away from the components that we can control. So instead, we have the conversation once. It doesn't happen. And from there, it's liberating because we never need to have the conversation. We have clarity on where we stand. But the second component then is education and empowerment. And so it's really critical that it's not just about don't do it, but instead we have to ensure that the athlete retains full ownership on their journey. And we also need to caution them on the world of supplements as there is such murky water in that area and then ultimately provide them with a wealth of resources to support them. And so we provide a package of critical needs to follow through through Ironman, WADA, or the World Anti-Doping Association, and USADA, the United States Anti-Doping Association. Now, on a side note for you guys, if you want to review some of that resource page, it's open to all Purple Patch athletes, and I think all other athletes at our website. We outline the key recommendations, our stance, as well as resources to help you on this unfortunate side of sport. For us, the conversations entire the squad on why we do this. And that's that we're highly ambitious, we love the podiums and competition, but ultimately it's about personal development and excellence. And so this is what creates the fabric of the journey and the passion. And it's also the component that we as individuals and as a team can control. So yes, we need to have a conversation. Yes, we need to be open to answer questions and be there for our athletes in case of needs or if they're confused. But ultimately, that annual conversation creates liberation. And while we're not naive internally, it's not a subject that we revisit throughout the course of the season. And that enables us to get on trying to get better and better and perform all that ultimately we can control. And so. With that in the rearview mirror, we push it aside and now we talk about supplements. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. Come on, get through this. Just tell me what to take. I'm performance minded. I listen to the show. I like your advice or maybe I don't care for your advice. That could be a part of it as well. But what I really want to know is give me the hit list. 
I can't yet. I can't quite yet, but I will. I can't do this without framing the void. The void, you ask? Yes, it's the magic space, or not quite the magic space, pretty horrible space, actually, but the void or the space between medicine and coaching. That little area where so many claims of interventions and supplements sit, the landscape of marketing massive health claims and performance enhancement. Let's think about it, the two ends of the continuum, medicine and coaching. When I first started researching and building this episode, I thought about just simply creating a hit list of remedies and performance enhancement claims. Those were the ones that were best to avoid. But the list became too long. And also, ultimately, I decided that the context would be more valuable. So let's first talk about medicine. Let's think about what medicine is. Very sciencey, isn't it? You see, the component, the key component of medicine or it should be, is the fact that it's evidence-based. Remember that phrase, evidence-based. Medicine is there to help prevent and treat disease and is fundamental to enhancing the quality of life. So how long we get to live it and how much we get to enjoy or thrive while the time that we're living. We have to agree that this is no laughing matter and we've developed rigorous frameworks to ensure that real medical treatments must pass through a whole long list of series of search, safety, efficacy tests before being allowed to use it as an actual medical treatment for patients. And the key is that the effectiveness of a medical treatment must pass through deep scientific rigor. Now on the other end of the continuum, We have coaching. The mission of an athletic coach is to help athletes improve performance. And in order to do this, we have to prescribe, we have to educate, we have to guide and provide feedback and even a little element of accountability. But also I feel like coaches have to become a filter of information, ensuring that their athletes digest the most appropriate and sound information available. But effective coaching Effective coaching has the opportunity to begin from a platform of evidence-based, but they also have the luxury, and it is a luxury, to have a sprinkle of simple real-world observations and application. In other words, we might as coaches know that something works, and we might think we know why, but we don't have peer-reviewed research quite yet. Now, in medicine, we could not and should not use that. But in coaching, we can. Ultimately, sometimes coaches have to wait for the research to catch up. And so to sum up our continuum, at one end, we have coaching that's got a little evidence-based scientific rigor with a healthy dose of experimentation, observation, and application. And on the other end, you have medicine with all of its great rigor, series of controls, checks and balances to hopefully protect the public while also facilitating health. But the void between is the land of quick fixes, shortcuts, life hacks. Those that you remember maybe been sold the power bracelet or the confusion over vaccinations or the next great fix and supplement that's going to boost your VO2 max or recovery. Now, you don't need me to tell you that this void is a land of great money. 
But before you react to this and say, oh, not me, I've got a strong sniffer, mate. I know when something's good or bad. You've got to get up pretty early in the morning to catch me out. Well, that might be what you're saying right now, but I'm afraid not, Captain. None of us, none of us are immune. We are pre-programmed to fall for this stuff. It is a part of the reason that propaganda works. And so here lies the challenge all of this. Not only is it a challenge for any of us to work out effective performance interventions from fiction or which expert to trust against the charlatan, but there are real mechanisms at work that make it tougher for us. And so not to get too sciencey on you, but some effects or components that happen to us as human beings. The illusory truth effect, where repetition becomes truth. We're all subject to this across many, many fields. The validation of what we want to be true via confirmation bias. The fact that society tends to be a component of instant gratification and quick fix. We live now in a place of convenience. And so it's easy to say that we appreciate that the journey is tough and we must have passion for that route and everything on the nonlinear journey towards performance. And we know that it's full of adversity. But goodness me, if I can get there a little bit quicker and a little bit easier, I'm certainly going to take that route because we have a pre-programmed propensity to seek the path of least resistance. And where we spend the least amount of energy to gain the results we want, in many cases, that's a good thing. But ultimately, that also means that few of us can escape this mindset. And so when the promise of a chance to accelerate the process or maximize the results of our hard work, we tend to at least have a little lesson. And so you might ask, okay, well, I'm pre-programmed. I might fall to this quackery, but is there really any harm in this? I mean, who cares if you decide to go and get some form of colon flushing or latest detox treatment or a bunch of pills that are promising to boost memory recovery or fitness level? What's the issue with pumping yourself full of supplements and general multivitamins that don't actually do anything? Well, if we come up a level, at least for me as a performance coach, there are a few issues. The first, the very basic, something that you might not care about, but financial. You see, The two most common and precious commodities that people discuss with me are number one, time, and number two, money. And so many of the implementations and supplements consume both, time of treatment and emptying the pocketbook. But secondly, perhaps more important to this, is the distraction, because all of these interventions also tend to have a distracting effect on the most basic and important but unsexy performance-enhancing habits. So they cloud the performance landscape and they shake up they shake up the proven and most basic habits that can get you almost all the way across your performance potential finishing line. But instead you get drawn sideways and you tend to because of our busy life and our an inability to continue to consume more and more things we get distracted and therefore the building blocks of our performance get eroded. And ultimately, something much, much more important than how fast you run your marathon or whether you qualify to the Hawaii Ironman finishing line is the worries and concerns around public health. You see, 
while many of these treatments might be completely unproven and ineffective, yet cause no ill effects, they end up blurring the lines and shifting the mindset for some other critical medical treatments. Real people die every year from refusing proven cancer treatments or voodoo medicinal rubs and herbs. US children are dying every year of measles because of parents refusing critical vaccination treatments, confused, loving but confused around the rigour that goes into them. And performance seekers are drawn to potentially dangerous and or illegal and that means doping, I might add, stem cell treatment by fitness gurus claiming to be the seeker of superhuman powers and performance. And so this is a call to action to set up your filter for information and your own personal success, not just for your sake, but actually ultimately for the sake of us as a population. And so what should you do when you think about or consider components such as what supplements to take? Well, the first thing is understand your expert. Now, if an expert has a history of promoting gum shields that delay fatigue or power bracelets, you probably want to second guess when they're going to tell you about some new super plant that prolongs your energy and delays fatigue at the same time. Is your expert consistent in their message? Do they have a long list of highly positive results? Do they tend to avoid complexity and fake promises? Yes, performance is complex, but it ain't that complex. I promise you, it ain't that complex. And ultimately, is the expert authentic or are they a shill? Are they selling you stuff? A great example a popular website, Goop, did I whisper that enough? But any time there's an editorial article where they lay out a problem, then a solution, and then a link to purchase a solution, surely that is your suspicion raised. And so when you're looking for experts, you're looking for simplicity with a proven track record who has no agenda to their education, beyond education. And that's the key component. But even with that, understanding your expert, I also encourage you, and I'm English, so I'm really good at this, become a cynic, but not just a denialist, a curious cynic. Read, listen, review, seek, be open to the cutting edge, but I would retain a curiosity that has a healthy dose of cynicism. Now, as English people, we are great doubters and cynics who thrive in wallowing and expecting the worse. But in this case, it's a positive. If it's too good to be true, well, you know the rest, don't you? I would also urge you to be really cautious of testimonial-based facts. Case studies are powerful and wonderful roots of education. But if all it's there for is to sell a product or an intervention and then run a mile, I could never lift my arm above my shoulder and then I rubbed this oil on and I was climbing trees. Well, great. Good for you. I'm glad it worked. But if that's all you have to sell your product and then you need to run away, no matter how enticing the story sounds. Next up, what I would call getting all sciencey on you. 
Sounds terrific, doesn't it? Science is powerful. That means it works. But when experts are throwing overcomplicated and science-like language as a direct proof of efficacy, you need to be cautious. Key words that you often hear when it's typically based on bunk, cellular damage, inflammation, acid buffering. There are many, many more, but just be at least healthy in your cynicism when you read too much language like that. And finally, the placebo effect. Interestingly, in coaching and even in medical science, it really pays to be aware of the vastly interesting and really valid placebo effect. It's powerful and it deserves so much exploration. And it's going to help us actually understand how our bodies and brains really work. And this is why I don't kick up too much of a fuss when athletes implement things, benign strategies such as running and compression. It's really interesting. But when a product works, it's worth understanding why. And so often it's the placebo effect. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't utilize it, but at least have an understanding of the driving force behind it. Hello, homeopathy. So before I send you all to sleep, let's come up a level. Let's think about what you're really here to understand. What should I take? Well, beyond it depends, let's have a little peek and let's just identify a few common areas that we should at least consider. So let's get into Matt's quick list, not of the things to avoid because that was way too long, but instead just a little quick list that some supplements that many athletes and performance-minded individuals might like to explore. You might have already guessed it's going to be pretty darn simple. So I think that we can break it down into two components. The first is systemic function. So actually supporting your immune system and your overall global health. And then the second bucket can be for the performance chasers. There's only three in each. So lucky you, you can empty out your big medicine cabinet. The first for immune system support and overall systemic function, iron. Probably not surprising. This mineral is used to make red blood cells, and yep, you guessed it, red blood cells are very good. They carry out oxygen as many as well as many other functions. But realize that low iron levels are going to leave you feeling lethargic and tired. So while it's more common in women, highly trained athletes are also really prone to dropping iron levels. That can be exasperated by underfueling, undereating, elevation of too much stress, undersleeping, all of those basics that we talk about. And so an iron supplement is commonly a really good idea. But a word of caution to this. One of the byproducts, very fun, constipation, but also too much can create iron intoxication. And so this is one of those variables where actually blood work that is actually closely monitored and reviewed by an expert in a sports focused mindset is probably a good addition for you. And I would also urge you, as is always the case, is make sure that you're seeking your primary iron sources through an iron rich diet and not through a pill. The second, vitamin D, or for the English, my more natural, vitamin D. There you go. I'd rank this as probably the most common deficiency that we see amongst athletes, especially vegetarians and vegans, because ultimately it's really tough to replenish outside of diet. A lot of fatty fish provide a lot of good vitamin D, but outside of that, 
it's really challenging. And ultimately, we're spending more and more time inside. And even when we're outside exercising, the body's not great at regenerating vitamin D. And it's absolutely key for your energy levels, as well as bone density and even muscle repair and growth. And so the side note, try and eat a vitamin D rich diet, but also probably take a daily pill. It's risk-free, vitamin D3, any good, safe and authentic supplement provider can help you with that. And the third and final, magnesium. Another mineral, mostly for the management of sugars, blood pressure and muscle and nerve function. And while rich in foods like leafy greens and many more, athletes tend to really struggle to replenish this mineral. And so about 400 milligrams a day, not such a bad thing for you to take. What about performance chasers? Well, there's three things here that I think we can talk about. The first, many people ask about this, the nitrates in beet juice, very popular lately. And I'd actually say that there's some really interesting research on beet juice. And the backbone of this is indeed formed in the nitrates. They tend to boost blood fill and ultimately potentially improve your acute performance. So what you're performing on the day. A couple of red flags on this. Just be a little aware of potential GI distress and also don't think that it's going to make you king for the day every day. Take it, test it, use it sporadically. You ultimately don't need it to turn your pee pink on a daily basis for you to become your own version of greatness. Next up, under the performance chasers, branch chain amino acids. Now, this is probably less applicable for the performance executives or the lifestyle enthusiasts. Instead, this is one that you would specifically be focused around the highly competitive athletes because there is some research around the delay of fatigue and some performance boosting. Is it key? Is it critical? Mm, Probably not. But the highly competitive, maybe it's one to add in once they've got all the nail, the basics, ducks in a row. And finally, something you might drink every day, caffeine. During training and specifically to assist in recovery, as long as it's not in the afternoon and therefore going to lead to sleep disruption. It's a great tool and I promise you this, I have never had anyone ever respond negatively during the back half of a marathon or an Ironman or a long bike ride, respond negatively to Coca-Cola. It is, I hate to say, the magic elixir in performance. Just don't consume it in daily life. It's poisonous, horrible stuff. Oh, and one more thing. Beyond this, in general, we keep it simple. That means that at the most, it's a shelf in your cabinet. It's not the whole shelf. And ultimately, remember, it's a backup plan. It's not a solution. But the one more thing, blood work. I often get asked, is it a good thing to have periodic blood panel? Ultimately, yeah, it's a good thing. In the same way as you often take your car in to get serviced, it's good to proverbially look under the hood and see what the state of your innards is. How's the blood doing? Now, The key component when you do this is I'd really encourage you to identify who you're going to have review the results. And I always look for a sports-minded and performance-focused medical practitioner. I don't read blood panels for a reason. 
I refer to experts with real medical expertise that also hold a very strong ethical compass and understand athletes. If not, and we see this too often, particularly in men as they start to reach their 50s, they say, oh, your testosterone's low. And rather than looking at the basic habits, they like to prescribe vitamin T. Instantly, that athlete is doping even though they don't realize it because the doctor doesn't have the context of athletes. And so I encourage you to be very cautious on who's reviewing and who's prescribing based off of that. Most FF athletes that want to do this, about once a quarter is a good idea, but I'd always encourage you to try and do it as close as possible to a similar spot of training. So you don't want to take your first blood sample in January right at the middle of a low stress week and the next time do it the day after you return back from a training camp and the return flight six hours across the other side of the country. Give yourself and your blood a fair shake of equal results. And ultimately, remember to keep the results in context. You see, a blood panel isn't there to tell you what supplements to take. I'll repeat that. It's really important. Getting a blood panel isn't there to tell you what supplements to take. Instead, it's a checkpoint. It's an opportunity for you to come up a level, review your current health, your place in training and your habits. It should facilitate action, but the results from it will never be in the form of just a pill. And that is why we named this episode after the great Happy Mondays album, Pills, Thrills and Belly Aches. Now, I'm pretty sure that Sean Ryder and the Happy Mondays didn't have performance in mind when they titled the album, but it really fits here. So remember, now the basics. Supplements always after the mission. Now the basics. And now, let's get on with questions. <music> We have a great question this week, and it is from I'm not sure who. I didn't get the uh, the uh, name of who asked this, but I thought this was wonderful. So I'm going to read it out. My 13-year-old son showed interest in triathlon a year ago and joined several short races. I was surprised that he placed third last April in a local event, and this weekend he placed first in a local aquathon event. So as a parent, I'm not sure what to do. He's still growing, and I don't want to push him too hard. Or should I? Given the reputation of Purple Patch as a holistic and scientific, I hope that you can give me a hand. Well, fantastic question, and I think it's one that so many parents struggle with in sports. The first thing I'd recommend you to do is head back to the podcast page on the website. We'll put it in the show notes for this episode. But head back and listen to the episode that we did on kids in sport. And ultimately, or most importantly, how to support your kids as they navigate through sport. As I mentioned in the episode, there's a reason that if you go to a gymnastics meet or a swim meet or a soccer game, it's not the ex-pro that's running up and down like a lunatic on the sidelines. And so I think there's a lot of context and interesting thoughts that you might enjoy in that episode. But ultimately, there's still this question. Do you push? Do you hold back? How do you navigate? Well, I think that there are a few key components that we have to look at. The first is you want to be a supporting parent, but you also have to acknowledge that all of the drive, the inner drive, wants to come from within the child. 
And I still believe, even at this age, at 13 or 14, that it's really healthy to have multiple pursuits. That might be a musical instrument, it might be sport, or it might be multiple sports. A staggeringly high percentage of athletes that actually get sports scholarships or move on to be professional are multi-sport in high school. And so while this sport has multiple disciplines, I would still really encourage a more low-key approach to it. With all that said, the joy of this is it is multidisciplinary. So how do you set your athlete up for success if they are displaying passion? Well, I think there are a few key components. The first, unsurprisingly, focus on the basics. So that is get them to really love swimming and get them to be competitive within any level that they like to enjoy, but also have them enjoy some running and get them to do some 5Ks and cross countries and really explore it so that they are ultimately multi-sport and not just triathlon focused. And then have them fall in love with the simple joy of riding the bike. And that might be lots of different types of bikes, mostly focused around road biking, mountain biking, but whatever it might be, don't be on a drive to get them a time trial bike and get them the best equipment. So really try and mix it up And ultimately, if they can include something else, whether it's taekwondo or soccer or another sport that activates another part of their brain and their passion, it's going to really, really help them. We also want to ensure that they're developing in body awareness, balance, agility, speed. So a lot of coordination, a lot of strengthening and not being in a rush of just following the linear path of really what incorporates so much of triathlon. Keep it short and keep it fun. You want to avoid, and at all costs I would say this, avoid your kid going long. Sprints, 5Ks, little swimming races, open water races, maybe some swim run events, but nothing that takes up multiple hours. You should be looking for an hour or less, at the very most, the Olympic distance. Refine, refine, have fun, speed, and joyous. Don't let them take it too seriously and don't let them come assessed with Ironman or Ironman 70.3 distances. And ultimately, equipment. Ensure that the equipment is basic and absolutely free of gadgets. Sure, if they want to track their distance or have a Strava account, fantastic, it's fun but I'd really encourage you to enable the kid to embrace the joy and the animal side because if they can develop an innate sense of pacing, awareness and simple joy of doing, the metrics will come later and the metrics can be applied within context of the key components of sporting development. So I hope that helps as ever. If you want to ask any question around performance, just head to the website, purplepatchfitness.com forward slash podcast. We've got a great little form there. You can just apply your question. We filter through. We try and answer the questions that we think are interesting and useful. And with that, I hope that today's was mildly interesting and a little bit useful. Onward and upward. Have a super week. We'll speak to you next time. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. 
The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers! <laughs>